This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Here we are today. We're yet in our spiritual maturity series. And um, God is calling us to look at Isaiah 40, uh, 29 through verse 31. I'm thanking God for this verse of scripture, which will help to reveal things about you and I. It will reveal and help us to remember who we are as a people, as a person, as people congregating together as a local assembly, what that means, how we ought to be encouraged personally, how we ought to be encouraged and how that affects our uh, local assembly. What we do and what we say matters in our personal life. What we do and say and work together on by God's spirit leading in the local assembly does matter. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. Uh, King James Version, uh, Bible Institute people, King James Version. Uh, it says here, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, God, we thank you for this scripture. I pray that you will illuminate, bring revelation. Help us to gain meaning, not just from the scripture, but the scripture becoming food for our souls, for the spirit man in us. That was regenerated. For those who haven't been regenerated in such a manner, may the Holy Spirit prompt them to the importance of that and they be led because of godly sorrow unto repentance, which will lead to the regeneration power of God to transform them by the renewing of their mind. And God's holy word will wash us all clean and strengthen us and help us to walk in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. God's Spirit is seeking to cultivate uh, the emphasis of this prophetic encouragement to motivate us unto what? Unto a revival. When you see and hear the word revival, uh, sometimes we as uh, church folk, uh, we think about special meetings where we invite others in and special guests come in and speak and uh, we can be wowed into some kind of a new uh, mindset, encouraged at a higher plane for a minute. And then we're, you know, encouraged to do things good for a day or two. My God, you know, revival, revivalists coming in. <laughs> But this is not what revival is in the scripture. Uh, we can infer that, yes, the Holy Spirit is trying to help us uh, to avoid becoming complacent in this season of our personal lives, which inherently affects the overall life and functional flow of every ministry associated with our local assembly. We will analyze how our level of self-control has a relative impact on how we wait on the Lord. In your personal walk of faith, if you have to wait for anything, can you endure the process? Let's examine this thought. How to wait 
while you're waiting on the Lord. How to wait while you're waiting on the Lord. Now, we have extrapolated truth with an exegetical thrust according to hermeneutics uh, based on Isaiah 40, verse 31 in the King James Version renders, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What about in the New International Version? It has kept the meaning. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So it adds some specificity because Hebraically English is somewhat found in want. Uh, we need a little bit more specificity. This version has helped it to happen. But what about the New Living Translation? It says, but those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. My God. You may have strength for this and that, but God's going to give you what? New strength. And you will be enabled by his spirit to testify. He's able. Amen. What about the New Century Version? It says, but the people who trust the Lord will become strong again. Amen. Became weak because of tiredness, whatever. Uh, discouragement, maybe that led to levels of depression, but you will now find new strength. You will become strong again. You see, in this sentence, let's break it down grammatically. The conjunction, the word but, introduces one of the most intriguing dependent clauses ever written. It is signaling to us that something is contrary to the previous part of the statement. It is letting us know that despite the normal expectation regarding the limits of immovability, this latter group can perform beyond reason. Thank God. That is just how the Lord is known to bless. Beyond our reasoning. He flips immovability and makes it possible to serve him in a steadfast, unmovable way. As the final analysis of 1 Corinthians 15.58 notes in the King James Version. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, be, being very specific here, abounding in what? The work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So if the Lord tells you to do some mundane thing, keep doing it. Why? The scriptures said your labor is not what? In vain. Gotta do it. Without murmur, without complaint, just do it. Nike had it kind of right, but they were talking about doing something else. We're talking about, amen, abounding in what? The work of the Lord. Amen. The process of waiting on the Lord is inclusive of two things, of the service and anticipation we reserve exclusively for him. You could serve all kinds of people and pleasures and all kinds of ideals. But no, we're talking about 
a reservation in our soul to what? Serve only who? The Lord. You can anticipate all kinds of things. There was an old commercial about Heinz ketchup. Anticipation is making me wait. <laughs> but we're talking about, amen, a greater expectation, not for finite things, because after a few belches, that ketchup is gone. Thank God. I'm talking about, amen, the infinite power of God that changes me. I'm on the earth, but after a while, this body's going to give up because time has a time clock. And it is appointed unto every man, woman, boy, and girl that one day we will come to a demise, a physical, biological ending. It's appointed unto every man, according to Hebrews 9, 27, that we should die. But then there's going to come the judgment. We must stand before the righteous judge of what sort we were. What did we submit ourselves to? Thank God. If you have been transformed by the renewing of your mind right here and right now on this earth, amen, now you can walk in biological terms, but at the same time, walk in in an infinite way because your spirit has been regenerated and now you're not just body and soul but your body, soul, and spirit. And now I'm walking in a trifold kind of way. A triunion kind of way. Amen. Tripart kind of way. And I, I, I'm doing like God who created me. I was created in his image. And when he comes and regenerates me, now my spirit man has been made alive again and now I can communicate with God the way I ought to. Thank God, which helps me to serve him, which helps me to want to hear what he has to say with great anticipation. We reserve service and anticipation exclusively for our creator, not the universe, the one who created the universe, our creator. And there was nothing made that was made without Jesus, who is before time. He created all things. Amen. Thank God. The Father watched the Son go on ahead and create. Thank God. And look at God in his miraculous way. Can create a woman and then by his spirit make her womb give birth. Thank God without man's blood and sperm, he can go in and let the womb do what it came to do. To produce life. He said, let there be. Then the Son of Man was birthed through a virgin. My God. Had to be a man child. So that he could pay the price of the sin that man caused to happen. Thank God. But it was the eternal blood of the Lamb that helped us. Amen. To be washed clean of the fiasco of sin. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise goes right there. Hallelujah. I bless you and I praise your name. Oh, for saving little old me. Amen. Calling me to a higher place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Waiting on the Lord is a process, people. Amen. Even though God lets you in on something glorious about your future, you must do what he has already established for you to do in the meantime. No matter how mundane it may seem to be. Amen. But when we do that, there oftentimes is a prolonged frustration caused by a deferred vision 
or a deferred dream. A dream deferred becomes, as the poet said, as a raisin in the sun. My God, my God, my God. And uh, seemingly that this vision, this dream, is never going to come into fruition. It's taking forever, ever, ever. My God. That process of the fruition may lead to levels of depression. And saints of God, they say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. They like to say such things. But stress is real. Stress has to be managed. I know I'm blessed, but I do have to go through some stress. Thank God. Stress is all through the Bible. Amen. Thank God, uh, you know, all the leaders that had a covenant attached to their name went through some frustration and were tempted to become depressed and not wait any longer on the Lord. If, they, if it weren't so, we wouldn't have Ishmael. Hallelujah. Anyhow, thank you, Lord. There wouldn't be all kind of amen sleeping with somebody that wasn't your wife, King David. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Thank God. And naming children names that God didn't say to name them. Jedediah. No, he's going to be Solomon. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you God now. Yes, his name is King Solomon. Let King Solomon's name be a memory of how King David yet was rebellious. But yet God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come what to repentance. And we know David knew how to repent. Amen. And a lot of psalms were written because of his need to repent. We have to come back to God. Amen. And make it right. Thank God. The prophet Jeremiah was so frustrated. He cursed the day he was born. My God. Frustration. Couldn't get married. My God. There was a fine honey after him and he after her. But no, you can't get married. He got so depressed. About that, my God. Yes, levels of depression can happen. Didn't Elijah, the prophet that called fire from heaven, amen, get depressed when Jezebel put a hit out on him? And he hid in the caves, my God. Ah, uh, but there were prophets who had not bowed to Baal. God had to, amen, save him from his depression. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Ah, the Holy Ghost brought these stories back to my memory. I, uh, he didn't tell me to write them down before, but he said, I'm going to preach through you. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But these levels of depression will only cause us to get stuck in the mud of the devil's messy trails of murmuring. That's what they are. While deep praises in the Holy Spirit will enable us to stay stationed in who? The solid rock. We know his name, Jesus. Amen? You don't slip and slide on the solid rock. You put your foot on a firm what foundation and you can stand. Come what may, I'm going to stand. Amen? Do all but stand. Thank God. Now, let's examine a little further this Verb phrase, wait on the Lord. This verb phrase, wait on the Lord, expresses three main things. A confident trust or faith in the Lord. 
it expresses an expectation of him supplying what we cannot. Amen? And Realm of Agape Bible Institute students, I got that one from Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Commentary. Copyright 1999. That's for my students. Amen. And this verb phrase, wait on the Lord, expresses the intent to be faithful in worshiping him, not his gifts and blessings. Amen. We tend to get thrown off and the devil's right there to help throw us off. The devil knows how to throw off. And uh, we, we, we don't give him, you know, enough uh, attention as far as knowing what the enemy is able to do. Yes, in the song we sung earlier, God's able. Yeah, the devil's able to a limit. The reason God has to show himself strong and show that he is omnipotently able is because the devil, the ne his nemesis, is also able to do certain things, to trick you. Amen. We need Jesus in the earth. Why? Because man was able to be bamboozled and tricked by Satan uh, to begin to worship himself, worship the things around him, instead of give all praises to the one and true who living God. Oh, you don't have to do it like that. You will still you will become like God. Won't you want to be like God? Aren't these uh, like Jeremiah prophesied against? Priests, prophets, and pastors, the three Ps, they were doing ungodly things back in the day. They were not led by God. They were uttering things that God did not utter by his spirit. And Jeremiah knew of this. He said, the Lord has not sent you. Ah, that's right. My God. And they were leading people astray, letting people go to, amen, figure out life according to the whims of their uh, fickle soul, doing whatever was right in their own eyes. God told them they had to submit to Babylon, but they didn't want to hear that. There were prophets prophesying all over the place, going against what Jeremiah said, throwing Jeremiah in a muddy cistern, which was uh, used as a prison. They had to gather ropes and tie knots to get him out of there. The people of God had to help them get out of there when they were allowed to get them out of there. My God, look what the people of God have to go through just to tell what? The truth. Yes, waiting on the Lord. When you worship him for real and not his gifts and blessings, you're going to go against people who have been bamboozled by the devil. And these aren't witches necessarily, but yes, they could have a prophet's clothing on and yet be a warlock. They could have priestly vestments on, but yet be a warlock or a witch. My God, they could be pastors, but yet be warlocks and witches. The devil has churches. My God, that's, that's why the Bible is very specific. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there were some who crept in unawares and began to teach, uh, not the unmitigated truth of God, but that which was faulty, the adulterated word of God, instead of the unadulterated word of God. They were preaching from being seduced by those spirits from hell 
who were uh, marketing those demonic doctrines. People didn't want to wait on the Lord anymore. They could depend more on what they could feel right away in the fickle, finite sense of having a soul. But baby, your soul is faulty. You were born and shaped in iniquity and in sin did your mother conceive you. You can't trust in your soul. Jesus came to what? Save your soul. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Which is why we better worship God and not his gifts and not his blessings. But people are pushing blessings. You don't have to get right with God, but you can still get your what? Blessings. People are looking at what they got and they're saying that's the, 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 the fruit of being anointed. But the devil could give you some gifts. Some blessings, I mean. My God. And they are demonic anointings. Called lying wonders. The devil's a lying wonder. And you could perform a lying wonder in the church of the devil. And he'll let you look like you have this magic going on. My God. When it is just a trick of the enemy. And God can call that demon out. Like Paul was able to do, Peter and them were able to do. My God, it took the economy away from the demonic folk. And they were searching to kill the men of God because they cast the demon out that they were using in that woman to gain an economy, to build their idolatrous ideals. My God, to keep the people, my God, in prison, incarcerated in a demonic way. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I came to free the captive. I'm here to set the captive free. We need to have more exorcisms. Yeah. Instead of being scared to go to that rated R movie, never mind the rated R movie. We could come to church and see the rated R situation going on. Demons being cast out of folk. Their eyes rolling back and you can't, you can see only white there and foaming at the mouth and then writhing on the floor. And we are, amen, saying, I cheer you by the counsels of the Most High God. Loose that woman, loose that man and come out in Jesus' name. We need some demons cast out of folk. That's why we got so much hell in the house because there's demons that have been let in. Now I'm going to give you three degrees of power that should be in believers of Jesus as correlated with the fruit of temperance. One of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Temperance. And we need temperance. We like calling it what? Self-control. We need to realize that the Bible will reveal truth. Uh, one scripture will help another scripture. The Bible is tied together that way. We can't look at one scripture isolated and just call it a day. We have to see what it is tied to. And then God will be the revealer of a, what partial truth? Or the whole truth? Don't we want the whole counsel of God? I want the whole counsel of God. I don't want, amen, a, a partial revelation. A partial revelation has another name, a lie. God is not a what? Liar. We have to look at the whole word. So there are three degrees of power here. 
and several expositors have likened them to the three stages of Christian growth. What are we talking about? Spiritual maturity, right? So three stages of Christian growth that are found in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I know we're looking at Isaiah 40, but we got to tie it to what? 1 John 2, 12 through 14. These three stages of growth in our primary text are number one, the young Christian shall mount up with wings as an eagle. Number two, the adult Christian shall run. And number three, the mature Christian shall walk. The term young that we are using here is not exclusive to an age group. Don't get it wrong. Neither are the terms adult and mature, for that matter. For it is all relative to one's walk in the Lord individually and how the church is affected corporately. That's why I like to say sometimes we're no stronger than our weakest link. We could drum around town how big and bad we are. But let's look through the quagmire of all that and see who the weakest one is. And then that will be our report card. My God. So the term young here is not a specific age group. I like one uh, Bible expositor, a southern man named J. Vernon McGee. Uh, he once told a story of a real preacher down south who during his sermon said... <clears throat> Brethren, this church, it needs to walk. And one of the deacons said, Amen, preacher. He continued on. Uh, <clears throat> yes, uh, brethren, this church needs to run. And another deacon said, Hallelujah. Then he kept going. Brethren, this church needs to fly. And then another deacon or two said, Amen and hallelujah. Then the minister said, Well, church, it's going to cost some money to make this here church do some flying. To this, many of the deacons replied, Let her walk, brother. Let, just let her walk. Wow. Isn't that how we are? When you really think about it, we have faith to a point, you know. Yes, being on a journey with God will cost you something. But God shall supply what? All your need. According to what? His riches in glory. By who? Christ Jesus. Got to have a right relationship with him. I'm not saying get in good with Jesus and he will cha-ching you. Until the cha-chinging can't happen no more. That's not what I'm saying. But his abundant life is being uh, in the tutelage of God. And him revealing the truth to you. Because you were a diligent seeker. He is a rewarder of them that what diligently seek him. He rewards you with revelation knowledge about God. And when you have that about God, you will have a revelation about yourself. Who you are in God and what your purpose is. 
This is why we have people running around who don't know their purpose. Then we could have perpetrating pastors, priests, and prophets who communicate some kind of control over them and tell them in all of their wizardry and puppetry of what sort they are. In other words, what sort the priests, prophets, and pastors want them to be. Keep them under my thumb. <laughs> this is what's going on around town. And people are thirsty for the real truth. And then they come to church and get that. That's a ploy from the devil to give the church of Jesus a what? Bad name. He knows that in the spiritual world, it's about the name. If I could curse the name, they'll curse the church and everything about it. That's how the devil works. We're on this journey and God is saying you need to count the cost. God shows you your hand, your deck of cards. Here's what it is. God is not shy about these things. He shows you everything. Jesus told the disciples, count the cost. Yeah, some people say, wait, I got to do this. Wait, I got to see about that. Wait, he said, oh, you love that more than you love me. You are not fit. You can't keep your hand on the plow. You're looking left and right and everywhere. You are what? Not fit. He's not saying you shouldn't care about your family. He's seeing where their heart is. That they are worshiping their family. Are you worshiping the one and true living God? Amen. That's why you got to look at the whole word of God. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than a what? Infidel. You got to look at the whole word of God. Don't cherry pick the Bible. Hallelujah. In this church, we don't cherry pick. Amen. And I'm not an elephant herder. If I see an elephant in the room, I'm going to call him out. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all should know me by now. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Thank God for Jesus. Yes, this journey we're on, God is the supplier. It's going to cost us something. Let's wait on the Lord to see how he's going to supply for what he has called us to do. We should grow from faith to faith in this journey. Don't forget about the young shepherd boy, David. He had five stones that he picked. And it became a massive army uh, for him as King David one day. You got to start what? Somewhere. Yes, God said pick a stone. But if he picked five, does that mean he didn't have faith? No, he's looking at, amen, most likely that um, the giant Goliath, had four other brothers. He said, well, this stone will be for him, and I got four more for the other ones. We could think about it that way. Hallelujah. Why? Because David had faith. He knew what God could do. He had just enough stones to beat the head of lions, bears, and everything that came after his little sheep out there. He didn't have his brothers with him. He had the Lord, and that's all he needed was the Lord. And he only needed one stone for Goliath. He didn't need all five of them. He whirled that thing around and then the centrifugal force of glory and the omnipotence of God sunk that thing right into the skull of Goliath. Amen? And incapacitated and he fell down. And before he could get uh, any faculties in case he could get any, he took his Goliath's sword and severed his head with his own sword. 
My God, that's what we got to do to the devil. Take the weaponry that he meant for us and slice his head with his own weaponry. Amen. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm going to take your sword and slice you. Hallelujah. Thank God. That's called offense. Most of us know how to do defense. Block, block. I got a shield of faith. Block, any block all day long. I got the helmet of salvation. Block, block, block. I can block, you know, all of the fiery darts. Block, block, any block. Yes, block. But God is saying, you need a sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word, Word of God. You better know how to use it. We got to hone it. How do you sharpen it? Meditate day and night. Day and night. The Holy Ghost said it's a two-edged sword. Day and night. It cuts asunder going in and coming back out. Amen? We don't have good cutting skills because we don't meditate on the Holy Word of God. What? Day and night. My God. And look in the Hebrew and in the Greek what day and night means. And you'll really get a good picture of that. Amen. That'll be your Holy Ghost homework. Amen. But look at 1 John 2, 12-14. Thank God. And uh, you'll remember uh, that the cross of the Savior, the suffering Savior, became his crown as a what? Risen King of kings and Lord of lords. So it's, it's all about growing up in God. Watch this. I write unto you what? Little children. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write, unto, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have over, overcome the wicked one. Talking about the posterity. Fathers have some sons and they can keep this thing going, see. And they're going to what? Keep overcoming the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Lord. It's a cycle. Bringing forth holiness unto the Lord and the posterity thereof. We can keep it going. Amen. We don't want to lose a generation. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Is he talking to Christians? Yes. Is he talking to people of God? Yes. Is he talking about people of holy faith? Yes. See, but look at Isaiah 40, 31. Reveals the outcome of God's people waiting on him, uh, noting how they shall what? Renew their strength. Noting how they will mount up with wings as eagles. Noting how they will run and what? Not be weary. And also noting how they will what? Walk and not faint. They shall renew their strength. In 1 John 2, the little children. That's translated in the Greek, technia. Little born ones, technia, little born ones. Which can refer to all believers in general, regardless of their age. Or their maturity as believers. The basis on which all Christians can rest is the forgiveness of sins because of the shed blood of Christ. Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Amen. The next parts of verse 31 in, I, uh, in Isaiah reveal the varying effects of God given strength 
as pertains to the individual's spiritual and intellectual maturity, noting how some will mount up with wings as eagles. In 1 John 2.13, it says, I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. The little children, in this case, is paideia. Paideia. It's known as, to us, immature little folk. They are the ones who know they are the children of God. But that is just about all they know. And some of them feel that it is all they want to know. They don't grow any further. Preachers cannot make them grow up. See, this is my cry unto the Lord. <laughs> this week I had that thought in my mind. Love should be the motive for obedience to God and not legalism. See, this is a temptation to me that maybe if I become legalistic, I can make them grow up. No, but that, that was Josiah's problem. He was going to try to make them after a point. You can't make folk. Amen. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments in John 14, 15. See, that's why you need the whole Bible. People need to be motivated to love God. That's what I'm trying to get folks to do. I'm showing my love affair with God. Sometimes church work will crowd out and cloud out, oh my God, the fact that I love God. And I got to be able to show that I would love God. And not just complain about who's not coming. Well, people not doing their job. And all you hear me doing is fussing from the pulpit. It's not a venting post. My God. <laughs> Thank God. And the Holy Ghost reminds me of that. Show people how to love me. Despite our tour selves. Amen. See, we're supposed to love God. And not just be legally obligated to him. My wife and I watched the movie last night about certain ways parents are dealing with their children. One might be the good cop. One might be the bad cop, right? One might be lenient. One, one might not be as lenient, you know? Uh, one might bark and bite. And the other one just bark a little bit, but then lick a lot. My God. <laughs> Uh, and one will show all kind of love despite, you know, they'll fuss at you because of love and then they'll give each kid what they need. And then some will love one kid more because they are more like them and then not show the same love to the other one. That's not good. That's going to make folk need a lot of therapy. My God. And this is why we have so many therapists out there getting paid and we're buying their timeshares and their Bentleys. Because we don't know how to treat each other in our own house. Hallelujah, anyhow. But people need to be motivated to what? Love God, love each other. Uh, not legally in obligation, but from a volitional love. Amen. Grown from the inside out. Christianity is based on a love relationship like that. Uh, uh, salvation is a love affair. It's supposed to be looked at as that. We have lost, uh, lost it in the sauce of false teaching. That's a shame. John tells us more about this when he says, we love him, what? Because he first loved us, amen? In 1 John 4, 19. Then Isaiah is also saying that we should run and not, what? Be, be weary. Look at 1 John 2, 14, comparatively. It states that I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. The young men are not, uh, are not as mature as their fathers, Hopefully they're not. Amen. But in today's world, some of them might be. I have a, 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 a second grader who has an uncle in first grade. 
Go figure that one out. Isn't that something? My God. But the Bible is saying the young men are not as mature as the fathers. That is, they haven't had the experience the fathers have had. But they have learned the secret of overcoming the enemy by the blood of who? The, the blood of Jesus. Blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Blood of Christ, the anointed one. Uh, they have learned how to live for God. That's what I want my children to learn. How to live for who? For me? No. Live for God. Do it because you love God. Amen. The same God I have done things for because I love him. I think some of my testimony came out this week to adult children. Stuff I had to hold back because they were too young in yesteryear, two decades ago. But now some of it can be told to them of things I have had to do by walking in the spirit, things God held me up from doing and saying uh, until God allowed me to do it. That's why I became privy to this statement that I am not at liberty to release that to you. But when I'm ready, I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let it rip. And by then, God has arrested folk and made them stand there and open their ears and their eyes so they can receive the truth. And they will not have an excuse. Because it's written in glory. My prophet Anthony has said unto you, but look, you still did it, my God. And woe unto me if I say all them words and then I don't do what I'm supposed to do either, right? Then I'm going to be lost. Isn't that right? My God, I don't want to be like an infidel and lose out. My God, no, I don't want to be like that. My God, Paul was saying that. Amen. He don't want to do all of that uh, preaching and then he be lost. My God. So, amen. But look at what young people go through today. Don't tell me that a young person cannot live for God today. I've seen saved ones. I've seen Christian rappers. This one girl, uh, she had demons casted out of her. My God. And she wants to live for God. She volunteered. She said, I'm looking for a church that will do it. Isn't that a shame? She had to look for one that did it. This, that's a shame. Thank God. But it, it, this all depends on whether or not the word of God abideth in them. Is the word of God living in you? Not just some recollection in your intellect, but it has to be made alive and brought into the center of your soul. And now it is what you attain to be. Amen. You have now eaten the word and now assimilated it, digested it and assimilated it. The word is you now. You are now a lamb of God and you are sacrificing your life. Amen. A living sacrifice. Holy and what? Acceptable unto God. And it's what you're supposed to be doing if you are transformed. In other words, your reasonable service. Finally, Isaiah says, we're supposed to walk in what? Not faint, not give up. Fathers are the saints who have known the Lord Jesus for many years and have grown and matured. As the commenter uh, J. Vernon McGee's opinion uh, is that David wrote Psalm 23 when he was an older man. He notes that David could never have written that psalm as a young shepherd because it is a psalm which had grown out of life's vicissitudes. David had faced all sorts of problems and dangers and had lived in fellowship with God. He was matured as a child of God and would certainly fall under John's classification as fathers. McGee also calls Psalm 23 the psalm of an old king. He believes David wrote it uh, as he was seated upon his throne, kingly throne, looking back over his life, contemplating what had happened in his life. And when you go through enough 
uh, heartaches and disappointments in life, you become increasingly qualified to say, quote, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. Psalms, Psalm 23, 1. And uh, as a mature child of God, King David recounted how God led him in green pastures and beside still waters and did what else? Restored his soul. We need restoration on a daily. People like King David are the people whom John is addressing as, quote, fathers. What have we learned today? See, in this message, a prophetic teaching is what it is. We have analyzed how even though it is commonly not, uh, uh, it is common knowledge uh, to note that good things can come to those who wait. This phenomenon called waiting is not very tasty at times, is it? We tend to grow weary and even faint during its processes. Um, the weight of sin, of youthful presumption during the waiting phases of life only hinders a Christian's walk with the Lord. Their spiritual growth is hindered. Even their local church ministries can be uh, hindered. And uh, the whole wide world body of Christ corporately can be hindered. Consequently, this overconfidence affects others we are socially connected to. It is not based on an age bracket, but it is relative to one's walk with the Lord individually. Even though the hope of glory awaits those who have the faith of God you must remain committed to the Lord, despite all opposing odds on the way to that glorious day. The process of being God's chosen people includes the sweetness and bitterness of life's journey to our eternal home, which is in glory. Historically, there have been martyrs, people who died for the cause. Uh, they became conquerors, victims who became victors. My God. And the abandoned that have become the approved. Paul, the apostle, said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 in the King James Version. But we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why, that's why I don't like my picture every, every, everywhere. I am the one with my face all up there. I want the church logo up there. Amen. We are troubled on every side, yet not what? Distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Do you know these following old adages? If you can take it, you can what? You can make it. Mile by mile, it's a trial. You know about that? Yard by yard, it's hard. But inch by inch, it's a cinch. <laughs> what about this one? If you pray, you'll stay. You ever heard that? Yes. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 in the King James Version says this though. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a, a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. That means stay put. Run, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, 
you know, the author and what? Finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is our way maker. I hope he is yet your what? Way maker. Uh, the day of reaping is just around the corner. But before that journey comes, we're going through some uncertainty as we are waiting on the Lord. We must trust in him as the Lord because he is able. Amen. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. Let's continue, church, to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How to wait while you're waiting on the Lord. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you. Thank you.